You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. An outrageous victory for Manchester United at the weekend, winning 3-2 at the Amex when they really didn't deserve anything at all. Absolutely gutted with the result. Um, And there'll be plenty more debate on this one coming up through the next episodes, I'm sure. But for now, we're going to hear the post-match debate from our Seagulls Over London post-match Zoom chat group, um, giving all their views on the match, uh, some thoughtful debate on all things on the pitch, and, yeah, trying to all collectively get over our disappointment with the result of the weekend. In this episode, you will hear from Seagulls Over London chairman Roger Bevan. You'll hear the familiar dulcet tones of the gent, Raymond Wright, myself and a number of other members, as listed in our episode notes. I hope this is an informative debate that you'll enjoy listening to, and I'm sure we'll be having more debates on this when we hook up with the usual crew after this episode. But in the meantime, here we go then. This is Saturday evening... The post-match chat. Okay, here we go. Right, okay, so post-match, guys. Manchester United winning five minutes after we scored five minutes into into the end of the game and 90 plus 10 to win the game 3-2. This match had pretty much everything, didn't it? There was an offside goal um, disallowed. I think we've forgotten that one amidst what else happened, which was the five goals scored, the three penalties, uh, contentions about a couple of those, um, last-minute drama. Um, we hit the woodwork just the five times and Trossard just the three times within that. And, yeah, it was just dramatic moments, good saves. It just pretty much had it all, except from an Albion point of view, a favourable result. Uh, gutted. I don't know who wants to start off here. Anybody got a take on the game? Ryan didn't have a save to make, did he? No, there were very few shots on target in the entire game, yeah. actually. Um, I'll have a look at the stats and quote a few bits in a minute. But... Uh, yeah, you're right. It was it was devoid of on-target shots. Quite a bit, considering what what was going on. Mm. Well, Raymond, um, you've got well, the had, first. The gents, what's your take? We had had seven shots on target. Seven shots was it in the end? Yeah. yeah. Uh, just having a look. Yeah, we've got sofa scores saying five, but um, I don't know if they're counting blocks as well. I think maybe not blocks. Um, but we had more shots on target, more shots off target. 
yet again, we have more possession, which is the same in all of the games this season, uh, 53%, apparently. Um, uh, what was your favourite? We're talking about the position, isn't it, like last season, isn't it? And we're playing, playing proper football now, whereas last season we were just pushing it around at the back all the time. Mm. Absolutely. I'm, I had a look, I recorded a few bits during the game from the Sky Sports Soccer Saturday um, episode that was running obviously concurrent to the live game. And the descriptions were Brighton are brilliant here. Brighton absolutely deserved to win. Um, there was also Steve McManaman on commentary saying they've been by far the better side. You know, and you, you do think when you, you look at this, we're playing Man United, maybe they're not the best incarnation of Man United we've ever seen, but they're still a tricky side with some world-class players. Mm. And we're, we're, not only are we enjoying the pleasure of being in the top flight and being talked about in, mm. in the same presence as, as Man U in these games, but we've been talked about favourably as a side that deserved to win a game like this, which was highly entertaining. As you said, Roger, much more entertaining football now, I think even than last season so far. Um, mm. And not getting the results we deserve, but a bit of a different story to the one of last year. I think it's starting to turn into a bit of bad luck rather than bad finishing here. Um, very small margins. Um, what, what was your take on the game, actually, Roger? Okay. Hello. Let's pick up. Oh, go on, Raymond first. Yeah, go on, Raymond. I'm going to just pick up on, on the finishing because uh, March had one good shot, which he, he was unlucky hit the post. But a bit more composure from March. And he could have had about four or five. I mean, literally, I mean, he blazed a few over, one of which he possibly shouldn't have had to go, difficult, a difficult one coming across. And you know, about the fifth attempt, he scored with his head when he wasn't trying to shoot, if I can put it that way. But, and Trossard hitting, um, not only hitting the, the, the woodwork three times, but having that very good save uh, when he turned and, and shot. I mean, if we'd got seven or eight goals, it would not have flattered us. I mean, that's a ridiculous no. thing. But at the end of the day, the, the shooting, the finishing, lacked that cutting edge. Mm. Yeah, Raymond, wouldn't it be fair to say, though, if you, whenever one watches the same match of the day, you get this, the, the sort of top goal scorers missing stuff all the time as well, don't, don't you? I mean, you just do. It's amazing how many misses there are in the Premier League, which is partly what it's all about. But it includes all, all the top scorers. I mean, they miss loads of good chances too, I always think. Yeah, I, think that's a I, I, I thought. I, I mean, I'm going to jump into on, on the penalty we weren't given, but um, that to me was a, a seminal moment in, in the game. It was one all. We were in the ascendancy. Connolly gets rugby tackled to the ground. <laughs> Argu arguably, <laughs> in, in rugby. <laughs> <laughs> arguably, I mean, if that had been because his arm was up round his sort of soldier and, and things. In rugby, that might have been a sending off for a high tackle. So, and uh, I mean, the, the ref who they had on BT felt the original decision should have stood. So that's not just me saying it, it's somebody rather more qualified, infinitely more qualified, and Michael Owen agreed. So, um, I mean, the, the, really? did, if you, did the referee say, Walton, because Peter Walton well, uh, said it, was the correct decision to overturn at the end of the game. I don't know what he said during the commentary because we, we had the sound down on it. But um, if you mean Peter Walton, he, I'm pretty sure he said at the end that he thought it was the correct decision to overturn. Yeah, he did. He did. And um, it was Ferdinand and um, Joe Cole who said it was a um, wrong decision. Yeah, they, they were adamant that we should have had the penalty. Yeah. I mean, I, I, 
I have to say I completely disagree with Raymond about the penalty. I don't think it was a penalty. However, I think there's an air of controversy in the fact that was it clear and obvious to overturn? I mean, you can say maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. That's where it maybe gets a bit blurrier. But for me, I felt it wasn't, it wasn't a penalty. I, I don't no, think there was any... And I would like the idea that, I quite like the idea now that the ref can go over and actually make a judgment himself yeah, and make the decision. Do. I think that's a lot better now that they do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're certainly unlucky in the sense that both the penalty decisions that swayed against us, we would have got away with that if there wasn't VAR. So any of this nonsense about the Albion get lucky because of VAR decisions can be thrown out the window now because um, the ref wasn't going to overturn that until he was encouraged to look at the, the camera. Um, and they wouldn't have changed it on the clear and obvious element, I don't think, just from the VAR studio, wherever it is. Um, the second one, I don't think the ref saw it. Um, I'm not sure if VAR would have spotted that or not. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but if the game's already been, the, the final whistle's been blown, that uh, might have changed things and made it more interesting. We'll get on to that as a separate point later because um, Margaret, who's joined us today, by the way, I think a lot of you won't have met her before. Give Hi. a wave, Margaret. Hello. <laughs> um, I, think I'm the, I think it's obvious who I am, really, given the, uh, <laughs> the kind of gender makeup of everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, gender representation, lovely. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, you, you said you had a friend who... Or yeah, well, the... my, my Scouser cousin um, has just sent me, and I think Roger's also put it, the FIFA Law 5 from the Laws of the Game, saying decisions of the referee, and it suggests that um, the referee may only change a decision on realising that it's incorrect or at his discretion on the advice of an assistant referee or the fourth official, provided he has not restarted play or terminated the match. And technically, terminated the match. Mm. Hmm. So, you know, I, um, he, that, I wouldn't have thought it technically. He had terminated. Well, he had, exactly. Hmm. So, From you know, his I, point of view, it's, it's And over, it was yeah. like, 100 minutes or something. So yeah. far more than 95. Yeah, I'd be very interested to know if there's actually a case there because, firstly, VAA, VAR may have, may have blurred the waters on that one. I, whether they, as I was saying just off air before, if they, um, if they had... Um, change the law formally and in wording related to VAR having this override facility later after the whistle's gone, then fine. But if they haven't formally written that down, could there be the case for appealing it? And if you did appeal it, the final whistle was 2-2 and you, it's not like you're changing a scoreline in the sense of a controversial decision. They wouldn't have scored if this, that or the other had happened. It's actually the final whistle and then coming, bring it back into play. Um, so I wonder, that would be a very, very interesting case if there is one to answer and it could get pretty controversial if it is. talking about, Russell, about two other sports, basketball, which I'm not an expert on, my understanding is that when, it doesn't matter if the, the, the ball is in flight, when the buzzer actually sounds is actually when the game ends. And there are times yeah. when they have to see exactly where the ball is as somebody's taking a shot right yeah. in the, that, the last second or two. And if it doesn't get in, in the basket before the buzzer sounded, it doesn't count. And in cricket, if the umpire has called over and the play is dead, it doesn't, they can't then go back. Hmm. Yeah, uh, agreed. And uh, I mean, the, the other thing we were talking about during the match, Raymond, uh, on our Zoom chat was about the issue, which is that referees, the added time, um, we've discussed the fact that there shouldn't have been that much time, not by a huge amount, but the, the game should have 
should have stopped. They'd added something like 30, 25 to 30% extra uh, to a game, which you wouldn't do in the normal 90 minutes. It would be a very sizable amount of time added on in normal terms. Um, so probably they should, have, they should have blown the whistle. But if the referee had a, or his, his stopwatch was connected to a scoreboard or another facility that the general public and the pundits could see, so you know exactly when he's stopping it, how much time is actually left, would there be a case for that, not just based on today, but in general, with other similar decisions, would there be a case for actually implementing that as a system going forward? I mean, you know? rugby do that all the time, don't they? Yeah, exactly. I mean, can I add, add what yeah. happened in, in rugby union? They used to do it the way that football does it until a few years back. And what happens is that the ref signals when he he's, wants the clock stopped. Yeah. And he then signals when he wants it started. So you know exactly that with rugby, if the ball is, a game is still in play, you go to the next stoppage. So, mm. But once it's over the 80 minutes, when you get that, that, that next stoppage, that is it. So if there is a corner and you've gone over the time, say in this instance, there would not have been time to take the corner. Mm. The only exception to that in rugby union is if there is a penalty. Not a free right. kick, but a penalty. I, I couldn't see referees having an objection to the fact that they're being scrutinised for their stopwatch work, as it were. Um, I don't think there's anything too controversial in there. And players and referees on the pitch are accountable for you know, the decisions they make, um, the plays they make during the game. This is, a, by comparison, an incidental thing, isn't it? To, to be scrutinising the details of when someone stops the clock. I can't imagine there would be any controversy to, to us seeing the workings of that in the game. Um, just an interesting point, maybe for discussion ongoing. Um, Roger, yeah. I was just going, to, I'm just going to add to that. I mean, the fact they add on a round number of minutes always shows it's not very accurate, doesn't it? And do you remember yeah. years ago when we had that referee along to Seagulls over London who said that he always agreed... I think when we speak to Paul Barber... Regardless of what's happened. Yeah, when we speak to Paul Barber in October, yeah. I think it's a good question. And uh, the, the other thing is, when you haven't got fans in the stadium... As we have at night, you haven't got the fans applying pressure to the referee mm. to blow his whistle mm. sooner. So one of the recommendations <laughs> I'm going to say to Paul is if we're playing at home and we're in that situation, we want the whistle to go, can they please put sounds on of people whistling <laughs> thing so that it, it actually applies that pressure? I can't see... I can't oh, see because we should definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. Well, but, I mean, you know, you've got to think outside of the box and make it work for us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just a final point on the, on the timekeeping is, is that um, it, they do say it's a minimum of, but I think where they say a minimum of, it isn't in terms of the rounding the figures um, down. I think it's in case, obviously for the case of adding time on in an extra mm. time. As far as I understand it, you're right, Roger, they just rounded up rather too conveniently. Um, I don't know why they can't just say a minimum of four minutes if, for example, they're going to have you know, four minutes and 58 seconds. But they quite often they blow two, three seconds early as well. So mm. it's not really a minimum of anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's one point. Well, why can't they put what the exact time is? <laughs> yeah. Four well, minutes, 58 seconds. Bingo. That's what it is. Yeah, I think they, they should. Well, um, why not? Well, as uh, Ken joins us, who's just coming into the, uh, into the screen in a moment, um, just quickly asking, getting back to the game itself, um, in terms of the earlier part of the game, 
Um, who's got a view on the match overall in terms of did we deserve to win that or did we deserve to draw that? I, don't, I know we definitely didn't deserve to lose it. Um, would you say that we deserve to win anybody? Anyone show of hands for that, first of all? Yeah, deserve to win. I think Bob Barrow. Yeah, yeah so, majority yeah. saying, yeah. And a couple of you maybe more for the draw, I'm, mm. I'm guessing. Did anyone think we didn't deserve to get anything for the game? <laughs> <laughs> no hands up at the moment. So. <laughs> um, and hello to Ken. Hi, welcome. Hi all. Good to see you as well. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, there's obviously the, there's the... Uh, the decisions or the penalty, which Raymond's mentioned earlier. The first penalty, though, I don't think there was any doubt really with that. Well put away. Neil Morpay has pretty much put his demons to bed in terms of uh, missing penalties for the time <laughs> being, at least, hasn't he, I think now. Um, so decent. He's off the mark for, again, another one. Three goals already this season. Um, he's 30% of the way to his, his tally for last year already. I went on record on the last podcast saying, I reckon he's going to get 16 goals. Um, then asked if that's in the league or the cup. I think it's probably the same thing, but I just said overall. I reckon he's on target for that at the moment. He's had a good start, hasn't he? How, how, how many goals do you think Dunk's going to score? I'm talking about own goals. Because <laughs> our, <laughs> but he was technically on a hat-trick today, wasn't he? Arguably, he got two today. I mean, he was credited with the first goal. And the, and the second one, a big deflection off him. So... I mean, he's our third equal top scorer, but own goals, unfortunately. <laughs> the dubious goals panel could certainly have a word as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think we we're spreading the goals around, aren't we? Because I mean, today we had Solly March was the other guy that got off the mark. Given what we've done in the League Cup as well, we're we're spreading it around, which is great to see. I know we're playing some weaker opposition in the cup, but nonetheless, it's good to see people getting off the mark, getting some confidence, getting a smile on their face. Um, and speaking of which, I was pleased to see Jahambash come on during the game, and I thought he, he had a, a pretty decent sub appearance. Um, got the assist for Solly's goal, uh, the second goal. Um, in terms of chances, though, overall, just going back to the chances, so we, we missed a number of chances. We hit the woodwork five times. Tross got three of those. Solly got one. I've forgotten oh, the other ones. Oh, oh, yes, that's right, yeah. And... Um, do you think that any of those we should have scored? I mean, Solly's a couple of them skied, weren't they? And the one that hit the post I thought was unlucky on another day, in mm. my opinion, that could take another slight different bounce on Nick and go in. Um, mm. But do you think... I think, we scored, I think we should have scored two more because the one that, that March was unlucky with and, and the second one, I think there were a couple that he possibly should have done better with. And I think Trossard... If it had been Morpé, or perhaps, or Connolly, a more sort of recognised sort of striker, perhaps, or a Murray, dare I say it, then I think we might have scored there. But Trossard turned quickly and just shot quickly, and, and De Gea, to give him credit, made a good save. So. Yes, I, think I would disagree with that a bit, Ryan, because I actually think Trossard could end up possibly being a leading scorer, but I think he actually has better shots than Mopé does, and creates shots from some tight spaces quite often. I mean, he was one of the match today, as you probably know by, by BT yeah. anyway, but I mean, he is a top-class player, I reckon, with fantastic control as well. I think one of my, my positives is we're actually trying to score. We're actually shooting yes. now, which I think has been really encouraging. So I think that's been one of the things that's been frustrating is that they've been keeping, they've kept gone and on trying to get into the perfect position and not really giving it a go. And, and I feel they're beginning to be more confident. And as they're getting more confident, they're more prepared to try. And, and I think that 
you, you don't get you don't get goals unless you do shots, and you don't get you know you've got to get them on target eventually. But hopefully, it just it builds and builds, and I hopefully their confidence is going up. Yeah, I think having. I was do you think that's been, been, been helped by the much better wing play this season? Yeah, well, it makes it more exciting and probably yeah. creates more wing chances. play and link up play in general. I think has, yeah. has improved, and I think the fact that maybe just playing behind closed doors allows certain players um, the freedom <laughs> to feel more confident to stoke yeah. up and try a few things. Maybe that's an element too, and, and getting off to a good start in the League Cup is going to help because whether it's Jahanbach coming on and having a decent sub appearance, as I just mentioned earlier, uh, or whether it's uh, a reserve, an under-23 comes in and starts playing on that team and scoring goals or whatever it might be, um, that all benefits, I think, um, because it, it creates a sense of confidence. That League Cup team, I know it's a weaker opposition they're playing, but they, there's a real sense of feel-good uh, and overriding confidence about that particular setup, which is effectively our senior reserve team, isn't it? Um, Can I but, go back to Margaret's point about our shooting ball, which I think is relevant, mm -hmm. but if one thinks ab about it, I mean, how many of those players in the, the attacking positions were part of the side under Houghton? And therefore, they haven't got the, you know, not so many of the players have got that Houghton indoctrination past, past, mm -hmm. past back uh, mm -hmm. sort of mentality, you know, get into a more definite position and I think Potter's influence on the newer players and letting them play and express themselves I think it's allowing them to play and express themselves I think mm. it's the key ingredient mm. yeah and if we keen to get sort of the, long, the, the ones who've been around a while isn't it yeah and the, the team has changed so much now with Dale Stevens going Roger, you're smiling. On a serious point now, I thought it was quite striking in what he was you know, saying when he went there along the lines of he's been trying years to go there and at last he's got there. All right. He was, he was agreeing with me in that respect, but it was interesting. That's what he seemed to say. He'd been trying yeah. to for the last few years. So yeah. he where his head been. He, he, he lost a bit of pace. And he lost a bit of bite personally in mm. terms of his tackling. His tackling wasn't quite so effective. And he was that fraction slower generally than he had yeah. been in the last sort of year, 18 months. And my point was going to be, you know, we're rapidly running out of players that were involved in the promotion team now. Mm. We've got, is it just Solly and... No, uh, Dunk. And Dunk, yeah, of Dunk. course. Dunk. Uh, no, I think that's it from the, from the people that were in the senior team mm. at the time. Um, Maybe I didn't play from feature today, did he? No proper today. Mm. Yeah, so I think it's a sign. Again, we talk about this greater confidence the way we're playing. I think it is a sign in that, that transfer activity of us moving on, stepping on, and improving. And as long as we can carry on playing like this over the season, I don't think we're going to have any problems. The Man United guy I know who I had on the last podcast um, last night said that um, he thought if you play like that, you're not going to be anywhere near the relegation zone. Uh, this season if you play like that in the majority of games and mm. he thought we were unlucky uh, to come mm. away with nothing from today's match and I mean, can't really argue with that anyway even if you're a neutral I think we've uh, we pretty much uh, did deserve that um, I think we've been unlucky we, we probably deserve something from the game of Chelsea at least probably a draw um, the Newcastle game we got exactly what we deserved and the Man United game we haven't so two out of three we've come away with no points 
where we should have had probably a, a collective total of maybe four more. So we, we should, by rights, be on, in my opinion, be on seven out of nine. Um, not a problem because we've got two of the, two of the big six out of the way already. Um, as long as we can carry on playing like that. Is there anyone that's worried that we could keep up what we're doing at the moment? I don't think we're talking like a league yeah. situation here where people think they might might blow as the season goes on. Well, if you, if you look at the league um, cup, we're playing 11 different players. Mm. I mean, we didn't have that depth before and they, mm. I think they played as well, actually. I mean, obviously different, but they mm. played really well on Wednesday. Mm. So, I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, mm. and it's not easy to a totally different team trying to gel together and play because mm. they've not played each yeah. other, with each other on a regular basis as a senior team in competitive games. So it's still but not it, that it, easy. It's it's quite a tricky team. Preston away is a tough game. It's not not easy. I mean, to win, you'd expect us to win, but it's still not easy to get the job done. But Sorry, Alistair, I think you were going to say. Was it Alistair that was going to say something? Sorry, I didn't. I missed. Well, I, I can say something. I, I thought, uh, which you haven't mentioned yet, I thought that... Um, one of the reasons why we're doing so well, especially in that game, was Alzate in, in the midfield. Mm. I think he's stunning because he, he mm. every time he seems to get the ball in space, he can twist and turn, and his lovely little passes into the uh, penalty box were absolutely super. Mm. And I think he's going to be one of the key players moving forward. I really do. Mm. I think it's good going forward. I'd agree with that. I, we were talking after the game, and I said, I felt that um, when we're not playing compactly defensively. He isn't quite so hasn't learned how to defend when we're when we're not compact. When we're compact, he knows his role and everything else from a defensive viewpoint. Going forward, I think he's excellent, and I think I, I thought the first half particularly, I thought he played well, uh, and some good moments in the second half. But United seemed to be when we were pressing, we were doing it. it by our midfield in the second half and getting up, uh, witness sort of Rashford's goal. And, and arguably later, there were several moments when we got exposed because our midfield was bypassed. And I, I felt we missed Basuma and his pace and ability to get back quickly or a Kante type player who has that same acceleration and pace. And I'll start hasn't quite, he's not slow, but he, and he's, but he hasn't quite got the same pace that players like that have. But I think he's good going forward. And I almost would prefer him playing further forward and with somebody else with Pursuma behind him. Yeah, that could, could work. With Arte being fed the ball by Pursuma and, and, and the other player, whoever that might be. Yeah, well, speaking of Pursuma, of course, he's been arguably our best player, certainly one apart from Lamptey, of course, um, was arguably our next best player um, in this early season and at the end of uh, last season as well. He's gone from strength to strength and we didn't have him in this team today and yet we deserve to beat Man U. So yeah, that's another good sign that we can have key players, as they now are, out of the match and still do well. Um, I, th I agree, I think I was at with Alistair about Alzate. I think he really, he's a, a real... Sort of, I don't know if puppet master is the right word, but he kind of really does link things in really well in that central area and he drives the game. I think, you know, we were on the front foot. We seem to have um, a lot of the ball, a lot of possession. We have 53% in the match, but we had a lot of it in the Man United half of the field. We were taking the game to them on a pretty ongoing basis. I didn't feel it was in waves, which maybe would have been the case in our first couple of years if we 
had a good game against one of the big mm-hmm. six. But here, we just felt like we were actually asserting the, the patterns of play and the balance of the game um, to a large extent. And we were passing the ball a lot in their half, getting forwards. And also, when we didn't have possession, I felt that there was more often than not, we had at least two players starting to crowd around someone with the ball, mm. largely to good effect in the game. And that really makes a difference when you can get in the play in the players' faces and win the ball back and really just keep them on the back foot and put them under pressure. Um, would, would anyone agree with that? And anything mm. else to add on that kind of side of things? Well, I'm going to just add something else. When the United players were coming off the pitch, mm. they looked almost as if they'd lost. I mean, they really did look quite down. I mean, they had the demeanour of the side that lost, not the side that had just won. It was extraordinary. Um, mm. you know, our guys obviously looked disappointed, our players, quite rightly. But I think that Manchester United were aware that they'd been outplayed. Mm. And then maybe they're dejected thinking about the prospects for the season, if that's, if that's what, mm. the, uh, what was going on there. Um, because they're going to have to play better than that, definitely, from their side of it to make that top four that they're hoping to get. Um, yeah, I mean... Well, I, I, I mean, they may be allowed to play better by other teams. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, uh, Roger. Yeah, well, um, I mean, one thing that was definitely a bit of a weakness with BT, <laughs> because it was the same sort of through last season, was how, how often we take the lead and concede mm. quite quickly, don't we? I mean, yeah, both goals today was that. Was it just bad luck or was there something mm. we could have done today to stop that? I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. difficult, isn't it? Because it's it's something that's in the heat of the moment. You, the emotions are, are there just for that mm. time. And I, I did think as soon as we got the equaliser, much as I was elated, and I thought that was it, you still you know there's going to be some kind of play going on before the, the whistle goes. And you always got that anxiety. And I didn't honestly believe we were going to concede a goal, but I was always worried we might. And mm. um, it, it is always a vulnerable moment, isn't it? They've always said, you're, you're always vulnerable just after you've scored. Um, but we, yeah, I mean, that's a few times now, isn't it? The Chelsea game mm. as well. Mm. Um, it's a possible worry. Uh, if we start doing it against the weaker teams, then I think it turns into a bigger worry. But uh, disappointing more than anything for me today. Um, <laughs> Potter does seem to have uh, sort of strange people marking strange areas. I mean, you've got uh, Maguire arguably being marked by Morpé. I mean, uh, you know, it's sort of, they don't always seem to have, the matchups don't always seem to be right. So I can only put that down to the coaching. Hmm. Maybe. I don't, I don't know what the thinking is with that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, who knows? Or, or, I mean, is it that we've gone to a zonal marking for set pieces and they haven't yet learnt it properly? Possibly. It's hard to tell. I couldn't really judge that, I must say. Um, there are some strange matchups, I'll admit. I've seen that before. And um, I don't know if there's a strategy for counter attacking that's been thought of in terms of who's where but for the breakaway and that sort of thing. Um, don't really know, but um, frustrating. In terms of the goals we conceded, um, would you say there was anything there you think we should have done better in the the defensive side of things for the goals? Rashford's goal, for example, I thought was pretty good from a striker's point of view. Uh, He took it well. He kept us on the back foot. We just seemed to be clambering to try and get 
to get a foothold on that attack there. Um, do you think there was anyone at fault for that particularly? No, it's good play, I thought. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's, it's, it's what you think Manchester United should be doing if they were playing really well. I mean, that yeah. front line's brilliant. And the oh, earlier no. goal with Dunk, I think it's just, just unfortunate, isn't it, really? I mean, Rashford was their most dangerous player, consistently. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was off, you know, both those offside goals he was involved with. Um, you know, he was, but, I mean, they've got as good a, a, a front three as United have had for a, almost going back to the 60s, so people like Best, uh, Law, you know, and that sort of crowd. So it, it's, it's a pretty formidable team. I mean, you think of you've got Prodber and Fernandes in midfield, and you know, they've got some mm. um, uh, pretty good players. I mean, they've got one a very expensive right back uh, who we uh, were, were running rings round uh, most of the day. Um, Shaw was not that much better. So maybe defender and Lind uh, Maguire, I thought, played quite well. Lindoff, not so well. I mean, they've I mean, they are a strong team. And at the end of last season, until the last two or three games, they were probably the form team. So, yeah, true. Mm. Well, what do people think of the Solly March performance today? Because he's grown into his role a little bit, left wing back. Um, he was coming up against Wambasaka, who's a fantastic tackler and a good player, maybe not so good going forward or, or being stretched, coming backwards and forwards. Um, he's got, I think, definitely better qualities going, uh, going in the backward direction. But... Um, do you think um, he had a good game against him today, Solly? I thought he grew as the game went on for me. Finishing aside, I thought he was—he had a big influence on the match, actually. Um, I think the, the thing about uh, today's game, for Solly Marsh's point of view, was that because, well, in general, because we're playing much quicker, he gets the ball in certain situations and he can faint and, and duck and dive and all this sort of thing, whereas he's not stand... We're not... When we do it slowly, he just gets the ball and he, he's got nowhere to go. And, and so, therefore, it's suiting him very well. And I thought he had a terrific game in, in general. I, I think I was really disappointed because I, not, not today, but I was worried that when Stevens went, he was going to become the sort of um, the, the, the fans hate target because I really like March. He's, he's a local lad. He comes from Hailsham, where I live, and he's a really nice guy. And I think he, he tries his heart out. Um, and I think he's one that's actually um, benefiting from not having his fans present because he, he, likes, he likes to be liked. He, he yeah. doesn't cope with criticism. He's not, he's not tough-skinned, I don't think. And I think he's done better without us there. Yeah, I, I think so. We, we talked about the, the crowds maybe allowing people nodding there, allowing people to flourish. I think Solly was who I was thinking of particularly when I said it earlier. And I think spot on there, Margaret. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, else? I've thought for quite a while he's got a really good eye for an opening and last year where he had quite a few assists I think Yeah, well Raymond and I on, on the Zoom chat earlier during the match were talking about how he's developed but also he's still got this reticence to there always seems to be a bit of hesitancy to his play well not always but quite often yeah. um, which is to his detriment and I think that's a confidence player related element yeah. um, where he almost he just sort of sits there, not quite sure he's going to be able to do what he, he, he is actually capable of doing for a moment. And he quite often gets doubled up on, I've noticed. He gets a couple of people on him. So there's a fear of what he might do. But um, I think often he isn't able to exploit that to, uh, in terms of his talent. But um, 
I think if you if you do draw two players in, for example, that does create other openings. And if he can keep his focus and he can improve his decision making, which I think is maybe the element aside from confidence, which is maybe at play there, then you've got to have a player um, because he looks the part. Um, and if he can improve that confidence uh, and improve that last ball, um, then it improves his game. I think the the volley we had some shots over the bar. The, the, I think it was the last one, the one which. He volleyed over and sizzled over the bar. It was, um, for me, it was a very, very ambitious effort to try and score mm -hmm. from there. If he'd have scored it, I would have been amazed as well as delighted. Um, I think if he cushioned the ball back to the middle to where I think it was Morpé was in the centre-forward position, that would have been the better choice there, for example. However, he is capable of scoring once in a while uh, from that kind of a connection. Um, but we'll... we'll see how he goes for the rest of the season. Um, man of the match was Trossard. Would people generally agree with that? Any any views yeah. on that one? I think it's a question of which website you go. And funny enough, on uh, Safe and Score, they felt March was the highest player and, and more played second, whereas the BBC thought Trossard with yeah. uh, Lampsy second. So, um, and the uh, Brighton Independent uh, or Independent News sort of March uh, uh, people like, uh, like Trossard. Alzate uh, and March all all got eights, so um, mm. they were all on a par. So taking up the, the point that others, uh, Alistair made about Alzate, he fe that he featured. So I think Trossard possibly edged it. If he scored a goal, he definitely would have been the man. Mm. Of the world. Yeah, that's the only question mark against it, isn't it? The fact that he he hit the bar or hit the post of one, would work three times during the game. You could argue those, those are missed shots when all said and done. Um, I would argue they're missed shots. It's mm. just not quite good enough. They play mm. very, very well. But when push comes to shove, in the last 30 yards, time and time again, they're not quite good enough. Yeah. For me, looking at the history chances, the middle one... I think maybe that was that was tricky, but the uh, I, I don't think it was ever quite going in. But with the with the two shots that hit the um, well, the first one that hit the post near the top of the upright, and the uh, the last one which hit the crossbar, you did feel they could have been directed differently. It's easier said than done. Us sitting here, yeah. me drinking a beer, talking about how oh, you should have done this and that. <laughs> um, however, you know, yeah, they we we are just missing. Too often, I, I think there's a, yeah. there's a point to it there. Yeah. Um, I mean, just to say there, I mean, it, wasn't, it wasn't as though they were mishit shots. They it, and Trossard were fantastic shots each time. I mean, you get lots of wayward shots, as I said earlier, in the Premier League from hmm. some of the so say top players. So I think it was just pure bad luck today. I mean, he really did deserve something. Yeah, well, I think so. I, I think it was Hugh Roger that said that um, he could be our top scorer this year if he if he gets his if he gets into the zone. Mm. Because he shoots from all sorts of ranges. I think look, if you look at last year, we had players like Basuma, Solly, um, and others who would just land balls in, and they would they would quite often just go very far over the bar, and you wouldn't get close to what happened mm. today. So I think we are getting closer more often with those kind of shots, which is probably a good thing. Because <laughs> hopefully, because once in a while, more often they're going to go in, but. Not quite sure. But yeah, I mean, there's some criticisms to be had. We could have done more. Um, it did feel like we should have won that game about 5-2 or 5-3. Um, but yeah, long range shots, loads of shots on target, uh, sorry, off target, um, which of course, when you hit the, hit the crossbar or the post, it's deemed as off target. 
Um, has just it's been is off target because it is off target. Because it is off target, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and much as it's close, it's not in. <laughs> it's right. not been saved. Yeah, you're right, absolutely. And someone else, was it Ken? Were you going to say something there? Um, well, didn't, Solskjaer, didn't Solskjaer stay at the end of right and made sure the goalposts were the right size? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we should have had the... Well, we did have the Gold Coast of that Tottenham away game there by the looks of it, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry, sorry. Okay. you hit the woodwork five times. Yeah. It doesn't come for a goal. <laughs> I mean, you know, five, five woodworks and you get a goal added. Accumulation, yeah. <laughs> five should be a goal, <laughs> shouldn't it? Definitely. I agree with I think it. this is our unluckiest result since the Sheffield Wednesday playoff match. Do you remember yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. 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 As in the, yeah. um, the second leg. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were incredible in the first half of that game and then finally scored after it all died down and then they get a deflected goal with a foul on Dunk that wasn't given. Two reasons that goal shouldn't have happened. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I, maybe, yeah, yeah, I would certainly... Yeah, incidentally, incidentally, looking at the ratings of the different teams, uh, of the outfield players, the one who consistently got the lowest rating was Dunk. Yeah. And you pointed out during the game you thought he was having a bit of a ropey one, didn't you, Raymond? Um, I thought he wasn't being his normal authoritative self, I must say. Mm. Uh, he hasn't well, been. I don't think he's been, actually, his, his, since the season's begun. He just somehow seems not quite to have been as influential. Um, mm. And I, I wondered whether Le, the presence of Lalana mm. in, the, in the dressing room has affected him in the sense that Lalana is very quiet, very mature presence. And whether he's just kind of affected by that, it just occurred to me, I don't know. Anybody else thought that? It could be that Duffy isn't there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. I mean, the, the different dynamics of having a different team member in there with Ben White coming in, maybe for some reason or other that's changed things in some way. Um, I don't see why it should, but it might, maybe it did. Um, what, what did it, incidentally, what do people think of the other defenders, Webster and White, by comparison? Um, Webster seemed to have a fairly nondescript game, but not necessarily in a bad way <laughs> for me. But White seemed involved. <laughs> what actually? He, he seemed so much happier playing on the left of the field. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. I think I think he just looked comfortable there. He was, he was not noticed, as I said, in, in a good way. Maybe um, in general. But I thought Ben White. I mean, he made a couple of key interceptions there, didn't he? And uh, he had well, that tackle. Martial and mm. Bob. Mm. That, that was outstanding. That was yeah. sort of uh, Lawrenson like. <laughs> yeah, just got the stretch on it and redirected, which was good. He got um, turned by Rashford when Rashford scored his goal. Yeah. But then I, I suspect any defender would have been. And also, White at that point <laughs> you know, was completely isolated. You know, there was nobody sort of covering White immediately there at that point. Mm. Yeah, so he could, could have been exposed. So yeah, I think he, I think he had a good game generally. We mentioned Alzate. Anybody else that sort of stood out in terms of Dr. Yeah. They obviously got the goal. Can I ask about Lamptey, or have you already mm. discussed Lamptey? Because no, I we, like... uh, we haven't actually. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. I just wondered whether Lamptey had been given slightly different instructions today. Does anybody else think that he didn't? He he passed earlier a lot yeah. of the time today, mm. rather than taking the ball forward. And I just wonder whether that was some sort of tactic. Well, they seem to play... Um, I mean, Trossard seemed to be playing in front of him more. 
Um, so uh, of the three, of the three, I mean, with, with Connolly on the left, they had Trossard on the right. So I think he was probably being asked to play slightly deeper. But it was, it was what I almost think of a Lamptey trademark run coming off the wing into the box. It got pretty similar penalty mm. to the other one he, he won. Oh. Uh, Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. we'll get this season through Lamptey and Connolly, do you think? They both run like hell and we'll get Brooklyn will fall over quite often, won't they? Yeah. I, thought, actually, I, I do think Connolly was unlucky. I mean, they're both yeah. possible penalty incidents. I mean, he didn't go down. He tried to stay up, I felt, mm. for the first one. And uh, mm. it's one one thinks if he'd gone down earlier, I mean, the actual. Proper put his hand on his shoulder once, put his hand on on Connolly's right shoulder a second time. That didn't work, so he then tried doing something with his left shoulder. Um, so he so, actually hit him with his hip. He actually hipped him into onto the ground, which was probably the wrong side of the player for the referee to see. But on television, it was perfectly clear. He actually hipped him straight into the onto the ground. Um, do you think, because I, I know obviously it got overturned on VAR, but um, it seems to me, I, I didn't think it was a pen myself, but I could see your point, but he seemed to be grappling as much with Pogba as Pogba mm. was, was doing something with him. You know, he, he had his arm sort of to the right a little bit, twisted slightly, and twisted back the other way and grabbed the back of his shirt. I think, for me, it looked, looked to me like the, the officials were looking at that and thinking of it as six of one and half a dozen of the other. Um, he looked like he was trying to engineer a scenario. And there's nothing wrong with that. As a striker, you, you, do, what you do what you can to get what you can. Um, I wasn't so sure. I personally thought the second penalty, there might have been more credence in a, in a claim for that second one, uh, Conley's second one, I mean, um, yes. where he was fouled by, arguably fouled by Maguire. I thought there was a little bit more, more deliberate influential contact on him from Maguire in that one, perhaps. Uh, he was tugging at his shoulder, wasn't he, around, around the shoulder area. Um, uh, it, yeah. it, well, they didn't, having not given the first one for the same yeah. thing, they couldn't give the yeah. second one. So they were being consistent, mm. he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess you could say that. I mean, there wasn't an awful lot between the two incidents, certainly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, overturning it would have been a big issue, wouldn't it? It would have been a big move. Um, However, yeah, I mean, Connolly is getting to worry defenders. That's the way I'm looking at it, because people are feeling the need to do something to try and influence the, the attack there. He's getting beyond players. He's, he's getting into that position where he's then shepherding the ball, trying to engineer a contact. Um, I think we'll get a few penalties this season, hopefully, from Connolly this season. And I think is doing very well. I think we should send him down to that right wing every week, at least <laughs> twice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, talking about tactics, I mean, yeah, it would have been good to see him go forward a little bit more, actually. That was the one missing ingredient know, from today, apart from the result. What other people have picked up on this rumour that we might be interested in Ryan Sessegnon at Spurs on loan. And for, I've always rated Sessegnon. I, I saw him playing, uh, I think there was a feed and a pre-season friendly against us. He's playing for Fulham. And he played really well. We lost 3-0 in the pre-season friendly. And uh, he was about 17. But the idea of Lamptey on one side and Sessegnon on the other, I think, would terrify defences. 
Well, I really do. I think you know, that they'd have pace and verb and everything else. And, and if we could just get that extra forward in to rotate with Connor, I think Connor's a little bit lightweight sometimes. Hmm. I think he, he's learning to stand up for himself, if that's the right way of putting it. But I think he is a little bit lightweight, and I think the sort of ref sort of feel he's likely to go down too easily, and that I think might mitigate against him. Yeah, and a neutral that sent me a message, a Spurs fan, he said uh, he thinks Connolly goes down to it too easily. That was his observation, I presume from today only, maybe from other games, I'm not sure. Um, so that whether that's true or not, that seems to be a perception that's that's grown from today, maybe other people will think the same. And a reputation can get formed, rightly or wrongly. Because um, he won't get anything. Yeah, which might be, exactly, he might not get anything at all. Uh, I think Zaha had it for a while. I think Ronaldo actually had it for a while at Man U after the, um, sort of the lampooning diving memes on, online started coming out. I think he, he tended not to get the decisions, even though he was at Man United for a while. Um, we have to be careful of that, I suppose. But... Yeah, I mean, maybe a little unlucky on the penalty side of things today. I think, um, well, in terms of speaking of penalties, the last goal of the game obviously was after the full-time whistle, and then not. Um, any question marks about the decision itself? Anybody think that Morpay should have got away with that because it was close to the player who headed it, or anything it, like that? It, it's, a, it's a daft decision, I think, mm. but it's consistent with what's going on this season. Absolute yeah. system. Yeah. I mean, I think in days gone by, it might have been different because um, his hand, when the ball brushes his hand, the path of the ball does not change at all. There is, mm. It just touches it and goes on, and therefore it didn't actually interfere, using old terminology, with the actual pattern of play. And there's nothing deliberate is the other, well, not, yeah. not ostensibly. Because of the change of law, they are now saying it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, but to use Ian Wright's expression, um, you know, you can't, you can't take your arm away from your body. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks to be... How many of you saw on, on Match of the Day last week when uh, Ian Wright said his arm doesn't move away, doesn't come away from his body? <laughs> And he yeah. then realised what he had said. It was a bit of a Colmanism. It's a, um, such an ambiguous issue <laughs> where your arms are for leverage. I mean, to, to, anyone, to me, it seemed like Morpain might have been trying to shape up to lever himself to jump and then sort of half pulled out of doing it. That's what it seemed to me. And then, then the ball bounces off his, off his arm. It didn't look like a deliberate handball at yeah, all. But the, it didn't bounce off his arm. That's the point. Somebody yeah. didn't deflect at all. Oh, gla yeah, glance off his arm. Sorry, yeah, I should say glance but if yeah. you're jumping up to get height, you do not leave your arms by your side. No. You tend to yeah. bring your arms up to get elevation. Watch mm -hmm. a high jumper sometime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think as people pogoing at certain rock and punk concerts might be the only exceptions to the rule on that one. <laughs> but in general, yes, I think it's, um, it's, it's just very unfortunate, definitely from a concession point of view. Uh, we're going to see what happens about that in terms of whether there's going to be a, an issue with it being after the final whistle, but then not because of VAR. That's going to, that's going to be an interesting debate. They're, they're um, not overturn the ref's decision, unfortunately. 
yeah, yeah. So, um, any other observations from anyone from today's game, good or bad? Was there any anything that caught your eye in terms I, of players? I, I think it's unfair to try and pick out anybody as man of the match. I thought as a team they played superbly well. Mm. I've been watching Brighton since 1956, and I think that's probably as good, if not a, the best team performance I've ever seen. Um, well, they just—they still lack that one last incisive shot that goes inside the post rather than <laughs> hitting it or outside. Everything else, they—they're absolutely superb. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think Solskjaer's expression throughout that match said it all. Really, I've never seen anybody look so flaming miserable. Even <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when they're scoring the goals, apart from the, yeah, the winner, yeah, really yeah. Ferguson was. I mean, the, the pundits gave us a lot of credit, and and, uh, uh, and, and Solskjaer said, you know, they're a difficult team to play against, and, and I think we are. And I, I mean, the fact that Potter's got us playing so much quicker, he's got quicker players in the team. Yeah. So, and that is the transition, getting the ball forward much faster. That's much a big difference from last year, because they were very yeah. skillful equally last year, but too yeah. slow. This year, yeah. they seem to be displaying the same amount of skill, but quicker. Yeah, that's there right. Was one, one thing, there was one thing I wanted to say, and that was I thought Lilana is very, I think, really influential. He did a most fantastic pass out to Lamptey, and he sees people. He kind of sees it in a way that you don't almost notice him. But I yeah, thought he, he has a incredible vision. For definitely, what's... if you see it early and, and hit it early, mm. you're on the front mm. foot. You, you Which keep pushes you forward. Yeah, and I think that, that other point was very good that we, yeah, the skill was there, but maybe the incision, the, qu the quickness, the pace of passing wasn't quite there. And Solskjaer at the end of this game was saying we were tricky to play against because we, you know, with, with the press, we could pass around them. And we had the players to do that, which is obviously partly to, to do with skill and technique, but also to do with, as we said, that, that pace of move of, of the pass. If you can get the passes quickly enough, you steal an edge on people and you can give them something else to think about, which can make them cagier in the game. Uh, and if you're not playing Man United, if you're playing middling sides, I think more often than not, you can get some joy from it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was some years ago saying that the ball travels faster than any player can. Exactly, yeah. So if you keep the ball moving, keep passing, keep people stretching, running, having to chase the game, tire them out as well, particularly of the lesser teams, um, it all has an effect, doesn't it? And we're, if our confidence continues to grow by playing so well against Man United and fairly well against Chelsea, then you know that eventually that will hopefully manifest itself in better points ratios. And I'm hoping that that finishing that we've just been talking about, those shots, but particularly when we're trying stuff from range, once in a while, if we could just pick up the odd extra goals here and there in those situations on top of what we're doing, I think that will help us to... Get a better points ratio, um, but I feel confident for the season. Looking at what we've done so far, um, anyone got any worries? Oh, so very far? tough, very tough match next week again, isn't there? Away at Everton. Oh, good old Everton. Yes. Well, well our, we've got we've got a happy hunting ground. <laughs> we, we've got the small matter of Manchester United uh, episode two on Wednesday first. So, um, hmm. interesting. Interesting to see which second team is best. So, yeah. well. Uh, we're going to win that one on penalties, Raymond. I'm convinced. <laughs> but we'll uh, the comment I would make, uh, seeing the last few performances, I just f feel that if we had that extra three players, hmm. that striker, possibly somebody 
left, another left back and a defensive midfielder. I think rather than just hoping to finish mid-table, I think we have the capability of finishing in the top eight. Hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at the team so far this season. I know it's early days. Not been particularly impressed with a number of clubs there. You could say Burnley, Newcastle, apart from the first game, not, not so good so far. Very early days, I know this take that into account. West Ham potentially, Southampton have had a bit of a ropey start, haven't they? Um, and there's another, obviously the new guys and a couple of other clubs that have been struggling down there. We should be able, looking at it, to finish above those sides. And there's always a chance of nicking ahead of some of the other teams who are more middling in the table. Um, why not? If we can get those players. So just, just Brewster, Sessegnon and Conte you want then, Raymond, presumably. No, I, I think I think yes, I'm settled with that. I mean, if if Messi wanted to come, well, I, I would say no. But uh, but Messi is clearly not a happy bunny at Barcelona, and whatever else Barcelona think, he is going to go next year because he's going to make sure he gets his end of the season notice in. And if that means that his agent is sending the notice every day for mm. umpteen months, so there's no question that he got it in at the right time. Well, I think uh, there's no doubt. You just convince him of a, of a slightly eclectic project to go for, and it's game on. Messi joined us. The fact on, a more real, on a more realistic note, do you bring back Bissouma? And if so, for whom? Mm. Sorry? Yeah, because Bissouma's obviously going to be out for the third game of the United match, so we're talking I think, next I think weekend Malumbi, at Everton. I think Malumbi will play. I think it was a pity that Malumbi didn't get up at least a half against Preston. Do you mean I, against Everton, Raymond, or, or in the, no, the league? I, no, I mean, Basuma would be back for Everton, so that's not a problem. Yeah. Uh, but against Man U in the second... No, he's not back I, next week. Malumbi will play, but I think Malumbi will not have played for some, some time since he played right back in the previous match. And I think it's a pity looking back on it that he didn't get at least a half against Preston to keep himself match sharp and things. And I think he'll come in as it were, in place of Stevens on Wednesday and play alongside proper um, in the centre of midfield. Because he'll, he'll need a game because otherwise we then, you know, he won't, be, won't have played until possibly after the next international break and there'll be a long gap from when he's played. And they need to make a decision, I think, Potter and Co, about Malumbi. Do they keep him in the squad? in which case he needs some game time, or do they loan him out again? And I think that's an important decision for the club. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would try Malumbi, get him in, integrated uh, for the, the game on Wednesday. Uh, Basuma's back after that, isn't he? Because the three-game ban would have run. I think, I think he does come back for the Everton game, I think. Um, who knows with Potter, but um, I would imagine so. Um, difficult I one, thought, though, because Lallana's come in for him and we played well. Hmm. So, I thought Basuma was missed. I, I really do think Basuma was missed. I think if Basuma had been playing, we might have closed that out and won it. Our game management at the end is, is less us done. We should have got at least a two-all draw with better game management. We should have done. Mm. Yeah. Um, Roger? Yeah, yeah, just picking up the point you mentioned, Russ, to do with Potter. You never know what he's going to do. Interestingly, it seems to me this season... He's actually now somehow got a very settled side compared with in the past. They chopped and changed every week, didn't he? Yes. Because yeah. he finally Definitely decided how he wants to play, yeah. Definitely to the benefit of some of the players, such as Trossard particularly, and Ozarte, to yeah. play every week and more or less in the same position. 
Whereas last year, they were in and out, in and out, play on the left, play on mm. the right. You never knew what was going to happen. And they seem to have got some consistency, which has shown. Yeah. Well, coming back to Alistair's point about Alzate, I think a number of us were saying last season that Alzate, you know, I mean, I remember one game, he started at right back, went to midfield, then went yes. to at left yes. back. I mean, yes. all in the same match. Yeah. Um, poor guy wasn't learning a skill. The fact he's playing consistently in the same position, yes. being the sort of performance we did from him today as a result. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would help. So it certainly helps to have a settled team or at least a, an outline of a settled team. Hmm. And I think he's taken his time to find what that was going to be. There's, you know, you don't always have the luxury of that, do you? When you're playing at the top level, um, you don't always have the time to, to get that right. If you get down, go down or, or things get on, under pressure, you may not get the chance to try what you want to try. But we've got through that stage, I think. It, feel, it does feel like that, and that we're getting a little bit, definitely more of a settled unit, and I think that's going to help us. Um, and, yeah, what, for, for the, for the greater benefit. Russell, on one thing. Mm. I, I know it's been an absolute pain in all sorts of ways, but actually, I think lockdown, the initial lockdown, helped Potter. Because I, I think it gave him a lot of thinking time and the ability to look back at games and analyse them. And mm. we have been so much stronger and better since lockdown. Mm, I don't think, think okay. that otherwise he came in, he didn't know the players, we were into a season, and it was all helter sort of skelter, and he was trying to find combinations and this sort of thing. He then had that moratorium forced on him, but it gave him and his team the, the ability to sit back and think and plan. Yeah. And Boone, you were nodding away there as well with that one. Um, I was agreeing, yeah. Or <laughs> agree, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Do you think there's anything else beyond what we've done that we would need to, need to do to improve that? Or is it just well on the way nicely now? No, I, th I think we're fine. Um, hmm. Obviously, it would be nice. It would be nice to have Messi, but in, in the real world, I, I think we could be, we could be uh, having our best season ever. And what a shame we can't be in the ground to see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, today's game would have been a cracker, wouldn't it? For example. Yeah. 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 I mean, there was somebody writing in the week, and I didn't really follow up on it, but I saw a headline: "Are uh, Brighton going to be the surprise team this season?" Mm. So, so I thought it was yeah. an interesting thought, if nothing else. We're being talked about favourably, as I quoted earlier on with the stuff on Sky and BT Sport, they were talking about brilliant Brighton, deserve far the better team, deserve more from the game, etc., etc. The fact they're talking about us in that those terms is good. It's it's yeah. nice that we're actually being talked about rather than just about how Chelsea didn't play as well as they could or Man United didn't play as well as they could. Yeah. We've had a bit too much of that, haven't we, over the, yeah. the first... There's the even a stages. possibility that it may not be the last match or match of the day. That's the dream, isn't it? <laughs> well, Palace really just is. lost anyways. So that was good. Oh, brilliant. That's good. <laughs> Everton could take their foot off the pedal as well now, having got that win. <laughs> I think, incidentally, talking about Everton, I think they're going to be up there challenging for yeah. the top certainly the top six and maybe beyond yeah I think they've made some really good acquisitions I think there's a project as they say going on there I think it feels like there's a real movement for change mm. good manager it's a coup to get him in you know look at his CV is brilliant and they've got a really strong midfield now but they've signed midfielders 
in a different way to when they suddenly signed three number 10s or whatever it was they did a few years ago. There, there looks like there's a proper focused plan there. And I don't know how soon it will come to fruition, but they're heading in the right direction then for Everton. And um, maybe they can just take a week off next week and then carry on with the project regardless mm. after that. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyone confident for next week? Um, can we get anything from Everton? We've got a, th a thankless task trying to get anything there based on our history. I don't think we've ever got, we've never won there. I don't know if we've ever even drawn there, have we? Oh no, once, didn't we? I think once. Um, but we've, ne we've never won at Preston. Either. Yeah, we've we put that one to bed. Um, but Everton, given what we've just said, they're a, a, a freshly developing side now. It's going to be all the harder, isn't it? Anyone fancy our chances? Can, any, can we hands? tear Calvert-Lewin's Achilles tendon or something before the <laughs> yeah. game match? <laughs> yeah, someone would cost him in the streets, maybe. And, uh, just can we ask Pete what his forecast, Russ? Can we ask Pete what his forecast uh, next Sunday? Yeah, <laughs> our prediction Let's go, let's go I haven't done it yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. I'm going to go 1-4 one, one. up there. Raise the question of the Preston performance. Because I thought there were one or two sort of quite good performances around there. I thought Sanders came on to one. Yeah. But the person who I felt looked off the pace and, and looked behind other people in and I don't know what other people felt about that, but I thought you know, some of the other players um, you know, played well. Uh, we defended, I thought, quite well when we needed to. Um, Gross, Gross, I thought, played well. Johan Bash scored another screamer of a goal. Had, as the commentator says, he only scored good goals. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I think, I th but I thought, and Steele, I thought, was surprisingly good. And his distribution... I don't know if other people thought this, but I thought his distribution yeah. was a lot more accurate than Ryan's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's turning into a possible Excellent option, a genuine backup, isn't he now? And maybe more, maybe more to come. We'll see. And, and, and the save he did was yeah. excellent. And, and that, that not helped, incidentally, I, I, I felt, by Byrne backing off the um, Stockley, the, the Preston centre forward, and not being close mm -hmm. to him. And he, I mean, Byrne was face was saved, as it were, because of the excellent the one real save that still had to make, he made. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've been chatting for just over an hour here at the Seagulls Over London Arms for our <laughs> post-match pub debate. Um, <laughs> I've, I've had a bit of a Dark Star IPA, by the way, which is rather nice. Um, a, a, a special limited edition thing that was on uh, Waitrose. Um, they're pretty nice actually for anyone that's into IPAs recommend that but in terms of the chat anybody else got any burning points they wanted to make show of hands I'll, I'll try and flip between I'd like the two. to show of hands on, on Bissouma back yes or no and if so for whom right okay well let's go who's, who's yes for Bissouma then mm. so we've got seven out there on one screen keep your hands in the air for a minute so I think there's something a little hard check in between screens but I think we've got Virtually unanimous there. Um, in fact, I think it is unanimous. So <laughs> there we go. I didn't um, see your hand up, Russell. Oh, I have my hand up. I, it's probably blended into the background of all this memorabilia I've got in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Went a little bit over the top there today. Um, so for whom? For whom? For whom is the question? Yeah, I mean, cause it's for me. You, you look at Lalana. He did well, but uh, maybe, maybe we... Connolly. I suspect Connolly. Possibly Connolly, the other one's maybe Alzate. 
on later. So I suspect it would be... Um, mm. Given who we're playing as a away game, maybe, yeah, maybe it's Connolly. Um, I don't think Lalana can, can manage a full match yet, can he? No, so the, whether he'd be using, use him as a, a guy to be brought off or brought on. Yeah. Mm. Could be. I mean, maybe later in the game, if we've taken the game to Everton and got something from it, um, or even if we haven't, or if it's level, um, and then we want to sit off slightly, then maybe... Uh, maybe Lalana can sit in deeper because he can play that role as well. Maybe that would work for a half game or 30 minutes or whatever it might be. Yeah. yeah. Basuma has to start. I think Lalana's position is the one. I, I think Basuma and Alsace look not bad together. So, yeah. I mean, so, still Alsace sure. further forward, though, personally. Yeah. Perhaps Lalana um, plays with Basuma and with Alsace forward. Like, the, the, word, the, the word that I think you were looking for earlier is what Alsati does that important thing he knits the play yeah yeah that, that'll do that's good <laughs> it's better than puppet master that doesn't that sounds a bit too over the top but yeah knits the play well yeah I think that's a good expression actually yeah um, I'd like to see him continue his development and his time in the team actually so yeah I, I would probably if I was Graham, I'd probably go for maybe just change out Connolly and bring him on as a sub on the half the half hour from the end, something like that, maybe. Um, anybody else with any points they wanted to make before we round off today? Um, I'm just going to flick between screens, so keep your hands up if there is anybody. I think it looks like well, Ken's got a point. So. Did, anybody, did anybody see the under 23s last night? Yes, I did. Yeah, I. I, was, I mean, Baluta's goal was. Very perceptive, good vision, and uh, you know, I, not what I was expecting. <laughs> it was a bit of a rear guard action, but bit Chris Hutton esque, really. I thought, uh, in terms of the the defence, which just didn't give way, and um, I thought they played really well and took the goal, took two goals. Yeah, yeah. The, the goals were taken well. Uh, we defend, defended well. The, the only thing is, we we were giving. I felt. The ball away too cheaply, and and Cochrane, who I think was captaining the side, there was one spell where I think the four times he touched it and four times running, he, he gave the ball away in the first half. Um, he played better in the second half, but it um, up, I thought, yeah, yeah, and but but but, it, but the, the Donker and Baluta in the first half, and Baluta isn't obviously fully fit because the previous game that the trophy game. Baluta was taken off at half-time, and he was taken off at half-time um, yesterday as well. Um, but the young guy who came on, Sungi, um, is, is still only 17. So he's yet another young centre-half um, coming through the conveyor belt. So he played well. Um, and Packham and Yappy, it was an interesting tactic, but what he was doing was uh, Rusk was getting them interchanging so they can both play right back and they're both going forward so if one if Packham went forward then Yaffe just dropped into the right back position or if Yaffe went forward then Packham stayed back and it was an interesting strategy they were doing it but not to the same degree on the left so again it was obviously a deliberate tactic to have two, a wing back plus a, a further forward player interchanging and for people that didn't see the game, such as myself, uh, could you describe Baluta's goal, Raymond? How well, um, basically, the um, 
Chelsea goalkeeper is, goes out and gets the ball, plays it forward, gets it back, and then plays it forward. And he is to the right side out of his own penalty area. And he does not hit a good pass. Um, and uh, Baluta is on about the halfway line, gets it, takes two paces forward, is about four yards inside their half, and shoots straight into their goal. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Actually, you can get it. The, uh, I think you can see it on the Argus this morning. Another thing, Baluta scores from halfway or something. Uh, and I think they've now got it, that you can see you know, just that half minute of play. Um, show. But it certainly wasn't what I was expecting. And the thing with Baluta, he came over as, as a defensive midfielder, but we're playing him as a, as a centre-back. Um, yeah. I thought Ware had some good moments. I don't know if you thought the same thing, Ken, but it was, uh, I thought Ware played not badly. Yeah. yeah. And Cross, yeah. obviously. I missed, oh, I missed Baluta's goal because I was making dinner. Um, and <laughs> you don't see any replays on the under 23. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the so problem, you miss, isn't it? You miss it. No, if you see the bit on the Argus this morning, uh, on, on, under that article, I think they have a bit where, where they show show that clip. Yeah, that video. Uh, it's worth watching just to yeah. have a. Uh, good. Well, it's good that we're we're doing well, and we've been talking about the academy and how things players are coming through. We've seen the fruits of our labour, so to speak. And I mean, things are looking good um, below decks there at the moment, aren't they? Really, that like the various ages are still shining and doing well. Um, incidentally, Frenchman we signed mm. earlier last week, Ella. Uh, he came on again, yet again. And of yeah. course, uh, I've realised now what the discrepancy is between why the, in, on transfer market, they had him uh, joining us on the 9th of September. We only announced it on Tuesday. And then he played on Tuesday night. Of course, it, coming from France, he had to self-isolate for two weeks. Oh, right. So he could only play earlier this week. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is it only me, Raymond, or did you think he'd been eating for two weeks? Sorry? <laughs> he, he looked pretty stocky to me. He does. He is quite stocky. I mean, he's, he's about six foot. He's something like 182, 183 um, high. So he's about 5'11", six foot. But he looks, he looks broad. I thought yeah. he looked pretty broad. So he, he's no powder puff. Can I put it that way? <laughs> so he's self-indulging as well as self-isolating. Yeah. But he, he's not slow either. He's got a bit of pace. Margaret? Can I ask about Bernardo? Because was there a conversation about him being, um, you know, sold? And then he, he seemed to have done quite well in the Football League Cup. He looked a bit more on the ball. But I just wonder whether people have got any views on Bernardo, really. Well, I think he's excellent. Both the two matches he played, uh, the Preston game and the Portsmouth one, uh, according to Sofa Scorer, score, I'm just using them, they rate, gave him the top rating for a Brighton player in both games. Yeah, that's and he, played, he played well. He played very well in both games. Yeah, that's if you've what got I have thought. A wing back, it's either him or, or Marshall, I would have thought. The problem is, you've got, a, I think, a brilliant player in Izquierdo, but mm. I can't see a place for him if you want to play wing backs because he's mm. great going forward, but not very good at the back. Mm. But he could play where Connolly played today, Izquierdo. Yeah, no, maybe, yeah, maybe an option and, and he's coming back to fitness we hear um but, but we've got a, a a match now on uh, uh under 23 game next saturday 
it was going to be on the Friday, and because of the other things, we're, we're now playing it on, on the Saturday. And whether they'll be able to give him some time out off the bench in that game, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. Mm. Yeah. Don't forget the ladies tomorrow. Yes, indeed. Yes. They're doing all right as well. So there we have it, the post-match views from the Seagulls Over London membership in the aftermath of that absolute robbery in the game against Manchester United at the weekend. Uh, just at the end there, we were talking about the women's game. That was the FA Cup quarter-final, uh, a home match with Birmingham. Unfortunately, after the game was drawn, Birmingham won it on penalties. So tragically, Brighton missed out on what would have been, I think, their first FA Cup semi-final appearance in the ladies' game. Um, unfortunately as well, Everton caused an upset by beating Chelsea and it was Everton that the winners of our match were drawn to play in the next round. So there was a really good chance of getting to the final. So commiserations to the women's team. Hopefully they can get back on track with some good results in the league. As for that, that's, that's the end of the episode for this week. Hope you enjoyed that and we'll be back with a post-match Manchester United Part 2 League Cup review and also a preview to the weekend's match with Everton at Goodison. That's coming up next. Till then, stand or fall up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.